Welcome to Reliability Matters, a podcast for the electronic assembly industry. Each episode covers topics related to reliability, best practices, and environmentally responsible assembly techniques with insights from experts across the electronic assembly industry. Now, here's your host, Mike Conrad. Well, welcome back to a very different type of Reliability Matters episode. I'm not in my normal studio. I am in San Diego, California at the IPC Apex Expo. So these are little express episodes. I have four guests today. Uh, each interview will be about, or each conversation will be about 10 minutes long. Um, so this is just a little tapas bar. It's a little appetizer of, of uh, subjects that we hope to dive into uh, in just a little bit. My first guest today is uh, Jasper Leike from uh, Viscom. Jasper, welcome. Thank you very much. Pleasure uh, to be here. It's, it's a pleasure to be here as well. And thanks for agreeing to step away from the booth. And I'm sure you're, you're really taking one for the team, having to sit in this comfortable chair. We get to take our masks off for a few absolutely, minutes. Absolutely, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, we can milk this one all day long. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, Viscom is a manufacturer of inspection systems, which falls into a very wide category of equipment. Tell me absolutely. what all that, the, the different type of inspection systems that you manufacture. So we basically cover all gates. So everything from SPI, CCI, so pick and place, pre and post reflow. We do x-ray inline and manual x-ray as well. So we have the whole line card basically. So wherever you need some sort of inspection, we are there to help you. And you're the manufacturer of those products. Yes, uh, yes, yes so we are. So they're all manufactured. Unlike a, a company that says, I know where to get one. We'll just stick no, no, no. That's right. uh, our own. Yes, right. absolutely. It, so. it, it's kind of unusual. I've talked to many x-ray companies on the show. I've talked to many SPI, AOI companies on the show. I don't think I've actually talked to someone who does both. And Well... That's now uh, I have. what unique about Check us, that right? Off the list. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Check so, that off the list. No, and I mean it's it's obviously kind of sort of related. I mean, if it's SPI, AOI, you, you want to look at the similar things. I know, of course, SPI and AOI, as in SMT parts, are different, but at the same time, macros and algorithms they help you out. And and if you have that knowledge in house, then why not widen it up as much as you can on on the different equipment? Let's start with X-ray real quick. Sure. Um, my theory, and I've said this on the show before, is that. Uh, that technology, X-ray, caused voiding in BGAs because before X-ray, we never saw a void, right? Mm -hmm. and yep. Now look Absolutely. what you've done. Yes. Right? Now all of a sudden you see it, right? Exactly. Uh, what are the um, beneficial uses for X-ray um, versus AOI versus SPI? At what point should would just X-ray only work for a, a specific application? And at what point is it arguable that maybe other technologies could could fill in or is x-ray just totally unique i mean it's all the above basically so i mean yes you can't unfortunately you can't say well x-ray is only geared for that or this but there are definitely a lot of things that x-ray is good for of course but there are also some things where you would need uh, some optical as in regular aoi so there there are pros and cons on all equipment of course but the x-ray specifically of course i mean it's obvious you already mentioned the voids and stuff so whatever you cannot see with the naked eye i mean you have to have x-ray and and these days more and more components have hidden solder joints or is under some sort of shield or obstructed view or you want to look at it from the bottom side and top side and whatever so right. there are always some things that you need to look at and that's obviously extremely hard if you can't see with your with your own eyes kind of thing. So, and do you offer both 2D and 3D? 
Yes, models. everything is is basically fast 3D, so you can call it dim it down and and do less inspection. But all all machines are geared towards the high quality and and okay. fast. So X-ray. you don't have a 2D only machine. No, you, no, no. You no. can use it for 2D applications. You can, yes. But it's all 3D yes. capable. And there are all kinds of different options on the machine. So it's not only one machine. Of course, we all offer a wide range, even within the same X-ray inline X-ray machine. So there right. are many options. Yes. Well, the whole idea when it comes to reliability, which is the theme of the show, yes. is to um, not have a problem. Yep. Number one. Ideally, yes. Number two, if you have a problem, contain it in the factory. Definitely, yes. Uh, so that it doesn't come back as an RMA. Yeah. Right? So uh, I know just a little bit to be dangerous. Uh, sure. SPI has a, a really solid purpose, and AOI has a, a wider uh, purpose. But SPI is one of the technologies that can stop something from being reflowed. So not just can you fix it in your factory, but you can fix it before you have Fast. to rework it. Exactly, right? yes. Because rework exactly. is a whole other can of worms. Yes, Some companies indeed. will not rework. They'll yep. throw it away. Yep, right? absolutely. And at least they avoided an escape. But yes. they still, it still but it's expensive them. at the end, exactly. right? Exactly. Yep. So tell me where SPI ends and where AOI begins. If someone wanted to make sure nothing left their factory, and maybe they can't afford both. I was going to say, well, ideally, they need all machines, all. right? But, they buy uh, an X-ray, they buy everything. <laughs> exactly. Right. Problem solved. <laughs> exactly. Thank you very, very much. Very easy. Yes. Uh, but assuming, you know, the real world catches up sure. to somebody, that they actually have, what do they call it, a budget? Uh-huh. Um, assuming that's the case, at, at what point would you suggest, okay, you should just do SPI? What kind of problems would they have to have for SPI to be the best solution versus AOI or both? Yep. I mean, it, it's it's hard to answer, but I'll try anyway, of course. So, I mean, SPI is, a, let's say, more cost-efficient uh, way to catch the defects. But at the same time, if you have, again, a lot of hidden solder joints, then you really, really need to make sure your process is 100% nailed in. And, and it's not. It's never 100%. That's right. So it, it, it is a risk that you take and say, okay, do I want to invest that extra money in, in the X-ray equipment to make sure I catch absolutely everything? So let's say, uh, well, if you send a rocket to the moon, it's probably a good idea to find it before you get up there, right? But All if based it's, on the cost of failure. Exactly, right? exactly. So it, it really depends on the product that you manufacture. Or is it like a, a more, let's say, throwaway project, uh, product if, if it doesn't work or if it's very expensive circuit boards, then of course you absolutely want to make sure that it's 100%. So it really is a lot of the cost and product in mind itself, mm-hmm. what, what it does. Right. What questions should a customer ask? I, I'm on the board of SMTA, and sure. we're going to be producing a training series of how to buy equipment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, because many people know what equipment does, but they really don't know how to buy it. They don't know what questions to ask. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what questions to ask, you might be at the mercy of the person answering those sure. questions, right? Yep. So what do you appreciate in a you know what you would consider a smart buyer? What kind of questions should they ask you that would help you you have an array of products that would help sure. you make sure that the response to their question yep. is something that will be as plug and play and as useful as possible. Yep. You know, rather than buyer's regret, buyer's remorse. Sure. Later, right. I'm sure we've all been there. Right. Absolutely. I have in my company. I'm sure you have in yours. So what, what types of questions would you like to hear from customers that would allow you to respond more uh, accurately yeah i mean they obviously would know their own products what what type of resolution how small of a component do you manufacture or what what type of component do you put on the circuit boards so that's obviously one so you would want to have a machine that that works with your flow and at the same time you want to make sure it's future proof so if you have a 
1206, which is the largest, uh, the smallest component, then of course you want to make sure that it's ready for 0602 or, or 0603 or whatever. Um, but at the same time, you also want to make sure that it's a reliable machine. So uh, you want to look at the, let's say, the quality build of the machine. So when you buy a car, you don't expect to, to throw it out after a year or three years or five years. You want to make sure it's reliable throughout the whole history of the machine and you have a return of investment, of course. Not just reliable, relevant. Yes. Right? That's an extra R yes. in our world. Yes. Um, something can work for 20 years yep. because it's very well built. Yep. But it may not be useful. You know, I'm looking at someone made a high-quality Betamax tape player. Sure. Or a 8-track tape player. Yep. It might still be working right now, but you can't use it. Exactly. Right? So, so that's when upgrades come in. So you want to upgrade the machine, even though it's a 5 or 6 or 10 years old machine even. Then in most cases, we can also offer upgrades. So that's also something you want to look into. Okay, the machine I expect would be working with this specific product for 5 years. What can I do with it afterwards? I know this is obviously further down the line, but it's also an investment. So you, you spend X amount of money on a machine. You want to make sure you don't just don't throw it out after the, that product is dead or, right. or obsolete. So, so that's definitely something. And obviously, you want to look into the capabilities of the machine. So, as a customer, you would want to have them, let's say, look and really look on the machine more in details, more than just a call it a five-minute show or or what we refer to as a paper eval. You want to really look into the machine and, and select a couple of machines that you want to look close into, and then provide your own product so so the, the machine manufacturer can demonstrate their their let's say capabilities on your exact product we all have our demo boards and, and they're great of course to show it uh, immediately but of course you want the customer to to show it on their products because sure. that, that's that's all that matters yes, at the end of the exactly, day right yes. yeah. yeah yeah very good um well uh, i guess i this is a dangerous question but sure uh, how's the show the show is actually, it started okay. I mean, it's, of course, uh, as anybody times, would expect, right? it's current time, so it's it's a lot less busy well, than... The, the secret to a successful show is to have low expectations, yes, right? Yes, so exactly. So I think we all, all share that. Yeah. Now, I, it's I, all good. I uh, taught a uh, three-hour course, professional development course yesterday, and we had we had a room full of people, which yep. was very nice. Yep. And I've seen, you know, slower, but... The people here, so that, that's traffic. all that matters. Yeah, all, exactly. all in, yes. all things yes. considered. Yeah. Uh, it so won't be the same as it was two, three, five years ago, no. Right. But it's it's here, and, and we are obviously glad to see everybody, and it's it's good to get out. It's it's very good to get out. Yes. It's a slice of normalcy. Exactly, right? yeah. You well, learn to appreciate the little things, right? The little things in life. Well, yes. uh, Jasper, thanks you, thank you so much for being uh, thank you. on this little express yep. little appreciate nugget the, of a show. Um, I really appreciate you being here, and I'll look forward to talking to you again when we can have more time and sure. expand the whole subject. Absolutely. All no right. problem. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thank you. All right. Um, my guest today now is Greg Papandrew. Greg, welcome. Yeah, thank you. It's nice to see you again. Uh, yes, again. <laughs> I'm used to seeing you in pixel form, so it's yeah, nice 2D. to see you in organic form. Yes, 3D yeah. is nice. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I appreciate you being here. Uh, you and I are working on a project yes. uh, with SMTA. Uh, I'm, I chair their training committee, and we're doing a new uh, 101 training course on um, board fabrication. Yes. We're not teaching people how to fabricate a board. No, when you that is not the goal. Right. No, when you gave me the call, it was, it was really refreshing to hear that because, you know, we teach everything. You know, you go into a contract manufacturer, an OEM company, you have everything on the wall, you know, uh, awards and training on how to solder a board, how to package a board, how to clean a board, how to do everything to a board, inspect a board. But 
not how to buy a board. Right. And the circuit board represents 8 to 12% of the bill material. One of the most expensive parts of the bill material, the price is subjective, meaning depending on where you go, how many you buy, the technology, the price is different. And there is found money to be had. Um, you know, the circuit board is unfortunately, unfortunately, is uh, the, the last thing ordered but the first thing needed. And a lot of it's done on a rush. And if a buyer is trained to know what they're doing, uh, they're going to save their company a lot of money, and especially during the quoting process, because a lot of buyers today are not only buying what they need for today, but they're also quoting, and they're quoting like crazy. And you've got a big chunk of money there that if you quote incorrectly, you may not be getting the job, so you're wasting your time, or you quote incorrectly, and when the job comes in, oh, the board's not $2? Oh, it's IPC 6012 Class 3? Now it's a $5 board? Oh, I can't take this offshore? And, well, guess what? Now you all over again. Yeah, and then sales is scrambling because your company just made a commitment. So the importance of training, uh, you know, is... So right now, like I said, I find buyers today are either, you know, untrained, overwhelmed, or management is not giving them the support necessary to give them that incentive. Hey, what can we do to save money? Because even on existing jobs, you know, where you talk about quality being job one or continuous improvement engineering... There's not someone going out on, the, on the, the floor and saying, you know, why are we buying this board from this particular house still? It's not a quick turn anymore. Let's see what else we can do. Let's learn how we can leverage our spend. You know? And this is for both domestic and offshore, military, high tech, whatever. And a lot of buyers don't know how to do that. Right. And, you know, when you think about the, the bare board, it, it's the foundation, literally oh, yeah. the foundation to which the product is going to be made. It's going to be built on. And then that product is going to go into something and that something has to function. Right. Correct. So it is, is probably the most important oh, yeah. basic part of a, of any electronic assembly is the board it's built up on. Uh, and in many cases, my experience is it's treated like a commodity. Right? Yes. I mean, it's just whoever can buy, whoever can build this board for a fraction of a cent a piece lower. Correct. Gets the order. Correct. And since the reality is most, obviously not all, most of the suppliers of bare boards are offshore, right? off our shore, mm -hmm. uh, the buyer is never going to see the production facility. They're never going to be able to legitimize it in their head. Oh, co and, of course. And uh, they're relying on a lot of promises from a lot of either brokers or or salespeople and all of that, right? Well, no, you make a very good point because even domestically, unfortunately, a lot of buyers today have never been inside of a board house. And, uh, and, you know, sure, traveling overseas costs a lot of money, but a lot of people have not gone to the next state <clears throat> to actually see what's gone in the board house to get appreciation of what goes into making a board, to make those value judgments of why, hey, um, I just pulled up to this shop and, oh, my gosh, now I know why our board's so cheap or why we have this quality problem. So there's not, you know, and that's, to be fair, they have nothing to compare it to. And even going offshore, it's funny, is people think they're dealing direct. They don't know. They might be dealing with an actual broker over there. So, yes, it might be someone with a Chinese address and everything looks, but it's not actually a real board house. So are they getting the value that it they need? It might be a guy that has a guy. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And right. so... You know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, even domestically, um, you know, they will be, we have a large military type uh, board house here. There are one company that buy, buys from three or four different divisions. 
because they have to, but they don't question how they buy. They don't question, hey, look, yeah, I know we deal with four divisions, but we represent this much of your business, and we want to see, we want to have quality water views. You know, there's not a demand from buyers because they don't know what they can do and the power they have with managing their vendor base and giving them the quality that they need. And yes, of course, price plays part in part, but at the same time, you know, it's not everything. Right. Because when it comes right down to it, I remember um, I had I lost a job of a mere twenty cents, and on a thousand pieces, okay, it's two hundred bucks. And I knew the promise that was made was not being kept, and I warned the buyer about that. Well, at the end of the month, the product did not come in, and I said, "Ooh, you know, for two hundred bucks, wouldn't you like to have made your month?" And that's what it comes down to. You know, right. it's the value knowing that you can rely on a vendor, whether domestically or offshore, and the. A lot of buyers don't know. I don't think they have the time or understand what's needs to be done, and they treat it like a commodity. Right. It's, it's a custom-made item with over 100 different processes to make. It's not if, but when a problem will happen. Right. You hear a lot about counterfeit, particularly in the days of, of component shortages and supply chain issues. That, that's really incentivizing the counterfeit market. Uh, and you know, we think of counterfeit and components. Is there an equivalent of that in, in circuit boards? Maybe not counterfeit per se, but maybe not made to the standards or with the materials that... Oh, yes. You know, um, the, basically what it comes down to... You would right have no, really no way of knowing unless you did some metrology studies on the board. Right. What it'll come right down to is basically material, the base material. Um, is there, you know, the, the mark in there? Is there, you know, do you have a CFC that actually shows where the material came from? That's the kind of thing where you would have, you'd wonder about, okay, is the material there? Yes, there is chemistry. Did they do, do, they do, do what's proper for proper whole wall, uh, you know, build up the vias, things like that. But the main thing for a counterfeiting would be, is the material that we ordered being used? You know, is it the 170 T sub G, you know, as opposed to 150, they slide that in. Would it work? Yeah, probably, but that's not what you requested. Right. And, you know, and that's just it. You know, you've got the, uh, uh, we just had that conversation the other day, you know, just, we want something down and dirty. Well, you're going to get down and dirty. Down and dirty FR4. Nothing down special. To, oh, gosh. Right. And, you know, and then, but it's got, to re, it's got to survive all these things. Well, that's not down and dirty FR4. You know, uh, you, you got to learn, you know, and that's another thing about buying is, you know, maybe there are boards that you have a combination of it for as a contract manufacturer that can be down and dirty. And other boards that, you know, sorry, we can't do that on that. And so you're not building a Porsche when a Ford could get you there just as well. Right. And that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with down and dirty FR4. It just depends upon the product. If the product is a down and dirty product, right? Yes, but it, what's you know, the end short use? obsolescence, uh, uh, a quick obsolescence time, and maybe a little planned obsolescence, maybe a throwaway consumer part. Well, and, you that. know, and, and at the same time, that's where I think uh, buyers don't know how to use their vendors or their sales reps, because sales reps don't know, is I always ask my customer, what is this going into? Or if I see something strange, what is this going Because what I'm asking that for is because, you know, I'm anticipating there might be a problem. You know, when someone comes down to, what is it going to, oh, it's this? Oh, okay, fine. You know, uh, and by knowing that, I can understand. Or when someone's calling out this spec, oh, what is this going into? Do you really need that? Right. And they're like, well, this is our standard. Well, well your standard's costing you a lot, of more, a lot more money than it has to. Right. So That makes sense. Before we, we end, we have yeah. to move on. I want to uh, show this book right here. Summer, if you can get a shot of that, uh, PC, uh, PCB Basics uh, for Buyers, uh, authored by the one and only 
Greg Papandreou. It, it's a it's a pretty impressive book. Yeah, you go to directpcb.com to get your free copy, and it's color and everything else as well. Or if you want, you can. I'll send you an autographed copy, and that five bucks will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. But the fact is, is it's a great tool for most buyers to have. Anyone from receiving to reception, just enough so you understand what a board is, glossary terms. So to give that that untrained buyer just a little bit of an edge of what what's going on and what to ask for and look for a quote. Mm-hmm. And eventually, I'll have another book about called Buying Boards Like a Boss, and it actually gets into um, basically how you can do your job better. What I appreciate about you and your company is uh, this book is not filled with if you if you want good boards, call right. call Greg. <laughs> uh, there's really no sales pitches in this book. This no. is really a guide. No matter whether they use you or a million other people oh, yeah. out there, this is a guide to how to buy boards uh, smart. Correct. And uh, uh, it's not a uh, a sales pitch of, of any kind. So no. that's that's impressive. No, uh, you know it's it. Well, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. Well, the fact that you wrote it, obviously. Well, no, that I wrote cred, it. Right? Yes, right. So you get the street cred part of it, but uh, but it's a safe book to read. Yes, if, I said. If uh, you know, you're not going to find out the answer to every problem is one eight hundred call Greg. That's right? correct. So, no, it's not that at all. Right. <laughs> all right. Well, Greg, once again, great great talking to you. Yeah. And uh, thanks for being on the show. Right. This little express version. This is Mike Conrad, host of the Reliability Matters podcast, where we're putting on a little express version of our podcast, and my guest now is Kevin Hyo uh, from EM Solutions. Hi, Kevin. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, you're an attendee at this show. You're, you're probably grateful to get off your feet for a little bit on these comfy chairs. Right? Yes, sir. Um, tell me how your experience has been walking the show so far. Yeah, it's been interesting. I'm seeing a lot of new technology. Uh, I've been to IPC Apex before, but uh, last year didn't come because of COVID, obviously. So I feel like in the two years that I haven't been here. There's been a lot of new developments, a lot of new interesting things, uh, both for you know my, my industry, specifically printed circuit board assembly, and also just kind of looking around, seeing a lot of new and different things. It's not as many people as I've seen before. No, but, you're not going to yeah. bump into any, too many people, yeah. but um, there's the, a general flow of traffic, and, yeah. and there is a general level of optimism. Um, you just have to factor everything in with sign of the times. Yeah, you know, yeah. The, the pandemic. This is California. We're a little bit more restrictive on our rules, yeah. um, but um, all in all, it's good to see the industry back together. Again, yeah, at least we're sure. having it. All right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What else are we going to do? Um, <laughs> so you're you have a, a board assembly house a contract manufacturer, if you will, a CM, right. as we yes. like to call them, uh, and uh, one of your capabilities is short term, uh, short uh, turn uh, assembly, which is a a unique specialty to mm-hmm. be able to turn a X number of boards around very quickly. Right. Um, some companies do that very well. Some companies really don't do that very well. Mm-hmm. And it, it would be an exception for them to do that. So what makes um, quick turn um, assembly unique compared to a more traditional assembly house that that is not prepared to do something so quick? What do you have to yeah. do differently? Um, there's there's a couple of things that we've, you know, in our in our experience we found that we need to do for quick turn assembly. And I think the most important thing is customer communication. Uh, Customers, you know, for them, if they have something specific that they need, they need to communicate it to us right away because we don't have, you know, two weeks to build something. We're building something in three to five days. Um, And also when we're building something, if something comes up um, during the process, like we have a question about where does this component go, this component doesn't match, we need them to get back to us right away so that we can keep things moving. So it's really a, it, 
it's a double-edged sword. They are relying on you, and you are equally relying on them. Right. right. Neither of you do your part. The board doesn't get made. Right. Exactly. Possible. Yeah. How's the supply chain issues? You know, I, I think about you know all the parts that are not coming in or are stuck on boats. You know, just yeah. north of us here. Um, when someone wants something very quick, obviously the assumption is all the parts are in stock, right? right and available. Yeah. Um, is that has that been a challenge in the short term short term uh, market? Definitely. Um, you know, before when when before this you know part shortage kind of came about, everything was kind of readily available. So quick turn you know wasn't really a problem. While you're getting fab made in you know three to five days, you can procure the parts in that same amount of time. But now what we're finding is even for prototype projects, um, even if you're only building five or 10 boards, 20 boards, um, certain components are not out, not in stock. So we have to you know, rely on a lot of our outside vendors to kind of help us find parts. And also we have a strong engineering team that needs to kind of step up and help our customer look for substitution, uh, sub parts. Right. Right. And so normally d- does the contract manufacturers supply the parts or do you have sometimes customers give you kitted parts and, and just want you to do yeah, the assembly? We, we do both. We're comfortable doing both. Um, we prefer to have control of everything. I mean, who doesn't, right? But if we can buy the components, then, you know, we know that we have the right quantities. We have the right, you know, we if something's on reel instead of cut tape, we, we know everything is good if we buy it. But if a customer wants to consign components, um, that's totally fine with us. Uh, we're very capable of handling that. And a lot of what we're seeing nowadays is um, kind of a mix between both, where we can buy the more common components, or like customers will have us procure the passive stuff, and then they have their own interior, uh, their own internal stock of the more complicated ICs and specific things that might be harder to find on market, but they have it. So, so here's a hypothetical question for you. It's really not so hypothetical. A few years ago, I was hired as an expert witness in a civil litigation matter. It was an OEM suing their contract manufacturer. Okay. Um, and basically, they sued their contract manufacturer for following the statement of work that was provided to them. The statement of work was faulty. Okay. And the contract manufacturer pointed that out to them mm-hmm. somewhat subtly. Um, <laughs> but there was record that they pointed it out. But the their customer demanded they do it this way. Anyway, they did it. They did exactly what the customer asked for, and the parts failed. Mm. And there was a giant recall, and there was a fifty million dollar lawsuit, right? That against them um, for basically doing what they were told to do. Right, right. Right. So, have you ever been in that situation where you have to basically go to the person who's signing your check mm. to say you're wrong? We need to do this a different way. Right. And is that a common occurrence? And how do you handle that delicate task of of suggesting to your customer that you, they let you do it a different way that would provide greater reliability? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's not, I wouldn't say it's a common occurrence. If it was Thankfully. a common occurrence, yeah, that'd be a huge problem. But um, in the event that that does happen, and it has happened in the past, that's where it comes back to customer communication, where it's very key for us, for our customers to trust us and to trust that we and our expertise, like we know what we're doing. So when we say, hey, you might want to take a look at this, we might recommend doing it this way as opposed to the way that you suggested it. Um, having that communication and that trust is really important so that, you know, because we, we, we have our customers' best interests in mind and, you know, we want their boards to work because, like you said, you want to build more work. than one. I mean, you want to build more than <laughs> exactly quick boards, right? You want to be able to have a long term relationship with them. Exactly, right. So I think, you know, for, for us, it's important in that kind of situation to have our customers trust us. And if they trust us, then, then we can, you know, hopefully avoid a $50 million litigation. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no one wants that. The only people that win in that scenario are the lawyers, right? And the expert witnesses they hire, hire right? But like you, like me. No yeah. one else wins, right? Yeah, it's a lose-lose proposition. Um, finally, what cust- what questions should do you appreciate a customer asking you um, to vet your services versus your competitor's services? What types of what questions make a smart buyer? Does that make sense? That yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And that's something that, yeah, we want all our potential customers to kind of consider because, um, you know, there's a lot of things that goes into assembly. I think the main thing is, you know, you should probably, you should ask, are we a good fit for you as, you know, size-wise, um, uh, technology-wise, you know, ask probably what kind of machines are you running? What's the, you know, the capabilities of those machines? And then I would say some other things that are important are probably... Um, you know, asking about, you know, do, do we have everything that we need? We love when a customer asks us that question. Do you have everything that you need so that you can build this board to, you know, how we want it? Yeah. Right. It's a comforting question because you is. know the customer is willing to get you anything that is missing. Right, right, to, right. It's your problem. Exactly. <laughs> right. It's, you know, um, and, and if a customer is missing files, obviously we, we will reach out to them and ask for these files. But I think, like you said, the fact that they're asking about it means that, they're giving it some thought and they want it to be like a partnership. They're trying to work together to build something as opposed to just handing us a job and leaving us with it. Excellent. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for the time. Uh, I appreciate your insight uh, into, into your industry and, uh, Good luck at the rest of the show. Uh, Hopefully you don't uh, get blisters on your feet walking (laughs) all the aisles. There's a lot of, there's a lot of physical floor space to walk here. I'll come back on and sit on these chairs. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Come back again. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Kevin. Thank you. Take care. Well, welcome back for our uh, fourth and final segment. Uh, We did save the best for last. Uh, I'd like to introduce you to my favorite pirate. Um, I think (laughs) instead of saying hello, I should say, uh, uh, what do pirates say? Uh, Ahoy! There we go. Uh, My favorite pirate, Michelle Ogahara. Uh, She's with Seika. And uh, welcome. Thanks for coming in at the last very second and, and being my guest to wrap up this episode of Reliability Matters. I'm glad you're here. Well, thank you so much for having me, Mike. It's always a pleasure and a joy to be with you. Well, we're both members of the Mutual Admiration Society. I can say that. (laughs) So uh, I have seen you in many different um, costumes at this show. Uh, I remember several years back, you were a ninja, and you were doing martial arts demonstrations along with the late uh, Donal, um, Donald, Donald and, um, yes, the great, uh, the great late uh, Donald, and um, the two of you were uh, giving demonstrations and slamming people to the floor in your booth uh, before the show opened, and it was amazing. And then other times, I've seen you sing uh, a presentation. Uh, you you actually put uh, your words to music and sang a presentation at at one of these events many many years ago. And and today you're a pirate. Tell me about your um, your well, pirate they- getup. This little costume was actually um, a, re- a special request from one of my staff. And it, because, you know, we've been going through the last two months, I had a, a retinal detachment. And so it was very um, much a struggle for me uh, in terms of sight. And so to make light of it, and especially the show must go on. And so then I thought I would, um, you know, wear this uh, costume. And so the in patch the spir- has a practical purpose in addition to 
you know, an element of your costume. Indeed, indeed. I think it, it's it's a little bit better than having the, you know, the medical eye mask that right. I was wearing yesterday in right. preparation and scaring everybody off. So thank you so much. But, um, you know, that, that that's what it is. I think in this environment, everyone coming up to the show has had to go through PCR tests and, and all kinds of endeavors and traveling. And uh, that's no fun, too. So um, thank thank the attendees for, for coming and showing yeah. up. Yeah, and the exhibitors and the staff behind the scenes at IPC for putting this together. That can't be easy when the ground rules kept changing. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's a moving target, and it's it's. Uh, I think they pulled off as good a show as they could have. Um, you know, California has some of the strictest mandates uh, of all the states, maybe less Hawaii. Th and, that's um, true. Uh, it, it's not easy when you have to get tested or show, you know, proof of vaccine or you know, and wear a mask and all that. It's, it's, it's no fun. No one wants to do it, but people are here because they have business to do. And it's, it's good to see those that could come did come. So, so they made great efforts. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, you're with Seika. Tell me what uh, Seika builds. It's a variety of, of different types of equipment, right? So that, that's, what's, that's is, right. Does it fall into us any one theme or is it, um, well, is it's it all right? SMT assembly equipment, right? Um, the, the top brands, uh, suppliers from Japan. We've been representing them for over 30 years wow. here in the U.S., starting out so by... you started when you were three. <laughs> well, I didn't start out with them. Uh, oh, yes, it may, be, it may be pretty close to it, right? Oh, my goodness. And, um, but we've had a great time since that time, of course. And most recently, um, I think during the pandemic time, um, our customers are really looking to improve their process control. Um, and so I think those items and the quality control I, um, uh, equipment, such as the dry cabinets and our viscometers, um, paste mixers, wedding balance testers, PCB cleaners. Like you say, we have over 25 uh, different equipment that Seiko represents. And your PCB cleaners, that, that's a name that always you know gets me it gets my attention because we're in the cleaning business, but you're yes. in a different type of cleaning business. Your your machines uh, use a, like a sticky um, tape, for lack of a better description, to pull foreign object debris, lint, and things like that off the assembly. Is that is that right? That's correct. As opposed to like flux removal, you're you're doing the technical cleaning uh, the, of the FOD, as as we like to call it, foreign object debris. That's right. right. That's right. Before the paste printing process to right. to ensure. Yeah. That, um, you know, down the line, there's no uh, defects occurring. Right. Yeah, you don't want foreign object debris or FOD in your solder paste. That They don't gel well together, right? And and don't you also make nozzle cleaners, too? Is that is yes. that a thing? Yes, that's that's correct. It'll clean 24 uh, nozzles at one time uh, or up to 80 nozzles, depending on the pick-and-place, um, the placer nozzle type. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you've always been a wonderful ambassador for your brand, for the Seika brand, as many years as I've known you. And you are also a wonderful ambassador for the other trade association uh, uh, in this industry, which is SMTA. We're ambassadors for our all trade and, uh, associations, but uh, of course you and I share a special uh, place in our hearts for the, for the SMTA. That's right. true. And um, uh, how, how does that work as an ambassador? Is your, uh, I see you at many, many events. Um, I see you promoting the benefits of, of a trade organization, in this case SMTA, but a trade organization in general. Um, how, how does being associated with, whether it be IPC or SMTA, how, how does 
being associated with a trade organization um, benefit a, a person? Say someone's just coming into this industry. We have a whole slew of young people finally coming into this industry. It's exciting to see that. I, I saw a lot of it here. A lot of the mentors bringing their mentees or new employees coming with, with um, you know, with their bosses or managers. And um, it's it's wonderful, actually. Yeah, I met someone last night at a, at a company dinner uh, that was 24. And I'm like, that's the exact age I was when I got into this industry in 19, wow. 1985. I was 24 years old. And, and I'm like, this is me, you know, 30 plus years ago. Um, but, but it was nice to see the young blood. Uh, so what's your take on, you know, encouraging some of these younger people coming into the industry to join a trade? I don't want to make this, uh, uh, polarized, you know, one trade organization over another, just in general, what kind of advantages have you seen in your experience being part of a trade organization in, in terms of, um, how it benefited your career and, and all of that? Oh, the networking uh, opportunities are, are optimal, actually, because generally speaking, the association is, is made up of volunteers. And, um, you know, the, the long-time um, long uh, experts in the, in, in the industry are part of that leadership most, most of the time. And they have... Um, you know, the experience and the heart and the, uh, the interest in being able to bring up next generation. So I think it's a great opportunity. You, you have a chance to meet these uh, potential mentors for you, as well as potential, uh, you know, new employers. Um, and just uh, perhaps also, you know, just meeting each other, um, whether you're in the same generation and being able to exchange information, I think it's it's a, it's always a and you get to have fun. I mean, that's the most important thing. Not that I'm anywhere near an expert in that, but um, I I've think never it, seen you have fun before, Michelle. Ever. Come on. I I think it's important. You have to enjoy what you're doing, and part of it uh, is is being in an association that's so supportive. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. um, it's done a lot for my career. Uh, over the 30 plus years, you know, I've been doing this. Um, that's how I met you. That's I mean, true. At, at one of these trade shows yep. as well. That's right. You know, and that's how we get to be as close as we are. And um, yeah, I, I um, absolutely, you're, you're one of my, the most inspirational and um, kindest people that I know. Oh, good. Well, I've managed to fool a pirate. That's amazing. <laughs> Pirates aren't easily fooled. So, well, um, Michelle, I, I really appreciate you, you being here. It was a delight to find out that you were on my schedule. So um, I didn't expect it, but I'm happy that uh, you carved out a little bit of time to get out of your booth and and um, uh, spend a little bit of time with me. And it's always a joy to see you. And you are an equal amount of inspiration. Uh, the joy that you bring to your booth and and the industry is, is uh, come over see the me top. Over the top. Yeah, right, right. 1914. If you're still on the show floor, if you happen to be watching this on your iPhone while you're eating $20 hot dogs, uh, <laughs> go over and see the Seca booth. Uh, Michelle, always great to see you. We'll see you again very soon. Thank you very much. Right. Thank you for having me. And for those of you at home and at work or wherever you're watching this, thank you so much for being part of the special edition of the Reliability Matters podcast. I really appreciate you being here. If you're not a subscriber, you can you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, 
Spotify, iHeartRadio, or virtually wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a YouTube version of this podcast. If you're listening to this in your car and you're getting a little FOMO to find out what this pirate next to me looks like, um, you can go onto our YouTube channel and just search Reliability Matters and uh, you can uh, hit the bell icon and hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode. There's enough commercial for me. I'm going to wish you all a very good day and thank you again to our Global SMT friends and family for allowing me to be uh, taking up a little bit of real estate in this booth and producing the show. Thanks again for watching. Thanks for listening to the Reliability Matters podcast. Join us on the second and fourth Tuesday of each month for new episodes of Reliability Matters.